in the book of Jude, which is this little book all the way near the end of the New Testament, the author tells us that he wanted to write a different letter than he actually wrote. He tells us that in the first few verses. He says, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Jude says, I had to write this letter because I wanted to kind of talk about salvation and all the wonderful things God has done for us. But the problem is, is the people he was writing to, there were those among them who were what Jesus calls wolves in sheep's clothing. Jude goes on to describe these people by saying, these people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Whew. That's very sobering language that Jude uses to describe these people who nominally were in church, who were claiming to be Christians, who were part of or at least identifying to some extent with the people of God. They're going to the potluck dinners, the love feasts, they're showing up at church services, and Jude says they've got no shame in doing this. Which raises the question, why does God allow that? Why doesn't God do something about that? Carson welcomed you here that if you're new uh, to church, we're so glad that you're here. But I'll at least be honest enough to tell you that if you've been around church for a while you probably have experienced what we would refer to as church hurt. Which means that because there are people among us when Jesus refers to as wolves in sheep's clothing, that there are people who identify as Christians or people who participate in church or people who connect themselves at least outwardly with Jesus who are racist or angry or prone to sexual immorality, or engage in sexual predatory behavior, those who are abusers, those who cause divisive trouble, who are gossips and slanderers. And if you've experienced that kind of pain, <clears throat> you can't help but ask the question, God, why do you allow this? Why don't you do something about this? Well, that's actually the issue that Jesus wants to talk to us about today. <clears throat> that Jesus came as God among us to teach us and help us to understand what the kingdom of God is like. So let me invite you to take a Bible and turn, if you're willing, to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. 
Matthew chapter 13. If you're using one of the church Bibles, which is in the rack in front of you, Matthew 13 is page 794. Page 794. And in Matthew 13, Jesus is telling parables. And parables are stories, they're made up stories from sort of everyday life that are meant to teach deeper truths. And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells a number of parables to teach us what the kingdom of God is like. What is God's rule like? And we're thinking this morning about the fact that in God's church, both here in West Michigan and around the world, there are people like what Jude described. And Jesus, not shying away from that, explains that to us in a couple of parables in this chapter. Now I need you to stick with me because we're gonna read through our sections in a slightly strange way. We're gonna start with parable number one which is called the parable of the weeds and it's in verses 24 to 30. There's a second parable which teaches a similar point called the parable of the net. We're gonna jump over and read that. And then Jesus explains the parable of the weeds which is the one we're really gonna spend more of our time in. So we're gonna read the first parable the second parable, and then the explanation of the first parable. So stick with me. We start in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. Now, I'll just tell you right now, I've worked on this passage and this sermon all week. There are countless times I have said wheat when I meant weeds and said weeds when I meant wheat. So when I mess that up, just bear with me. Wheat and weeds, wheat good, weeds bad. Okay. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then collect the wheat and bring it into my barn." Jump over now to verse 47. It's the next page, page 795. There's a second parable, not sort of as well known, but it's a parable that teaches a very similar point. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And now over to verse 36 or back to verse 36 in which Jesus actually gives the explanation for parable number one. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, 
The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As, we, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus tells these stories to acknowledge what Jude is talking about. Jude says, I wanted to write you a letter to talk about all the great blessings of being saved, but instead I have to write you this letter to tell you there are weeds among the wheat. There are people who claim to be Christians. There are people who identify or associate with the kingdom of God who are weeds. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Second Peter talks about the fact there will be false teachers among you. First John talks about there will be people with the spirit of antichrist who participate at least for a season in church. Third John talks about Diotrephes, who when you read the passage, he's exercising spiritual abuse in the church. Second Timothy 2 talks about those in the church whom Satan has taken captive to do his will. Even among Jesus' circle of 12, there was Judas, who was a weed among the wheat. And if you're like me, I say to God, pull up the weeds. Weed the garden. Get rid of this stuff. We don't want shepherds here who feed only themselves. We don't want people here who are being abusive or being racist or those who are gossips or slanderers or those who are stealing or those who are sexually uh, preying on others. Get rid of that stuff. And then we hear this story and find out that's not God's plan. That when the servants asks, ask, shouldn't we get rid of the weeds? Jesus says, no. That the kingdom of God, God's plan and working here on earth, is going to include both wheat and weeds. That there will be false teachers among us. There will be wolves in sheep's clothing. And our hearts cry out, why? Well, I have five thoughts this morning as to why God has the kingdom of God be this way. I will say before we start, this is a tough question. In some ways, it's related to the most difficult question in life. The most difficult question in life is, if God is good, why is there suffering and evil in this world? This is a subset of that question, but it's actually more acute in certain ways because we say, you know what, we can grapple with the fact that there has to be evil in this world because of free will, but we think, but in the church, God exercises more control here. 
Shouldn't God do something about wickedness and evil in the church? Shouldn't the church be a place where you find people who are holy and righteous and good, or at least people trying to be holy and righteous and good? Five thoughts, as Jesus tells us, the kingdom of God is made up of wheat and weeds. Thought number one, God does sometimes pull up individual weeds from among his people, but his goal currently is not the large-scale eradication of weeds. If any of you have ever gardened at home, if you have like a little sort of plot of land that you're trying to grow vegetables or something on, you may listen to this parable and think, "Mm, something's off. Because Jesus says, the servants ask, should we go weed the garden? And Jesus says, no, 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 don't do that because you might pull up some wheat with the weeds. But if you've ever done any gardening, you might think, hmm, I can go into my garden and carefully pull weeds and not damage the plants. Like, that's what weeding is. What's Jesus talking about? Well, it's true that in individual cases or in smaller scale cases, God does do this. In Joshua 7, God weeds Achan out of the people of Israel. Achan is a weed, and God pulls him out. King Saul was engaged in weed-like behavior, and God put him to death and weeded the kingdom of Saul. Judas was uprooted and taken out from the 12. Ananias and Sapphira, with their weed-like behavior in Acts chapter 5, were pulled out. And so in individual cases, God does indeed sometimes pull those who are weed-like out of the church. I've seen it happen at this church. I've seen it happen in other churches where either through church discipline or God's direct intervention in putting somebody to death or moving them on, I've seen God do weeding in sort of individual cases for individual churches. But that's not what this parable is talking about. This parable is talking about big case, the kingdom of God as a whole. And if you've ever moved from thinking about sort of a little victory garden plot of land at your house to thinking about farming millions and millions of acres of farmland... If you talk to people who are doing farming on that scale, no one is going for total eradication of weeds because it's not possible. And so weeding techniques that happen on a global macro sort of scale, things like herbicides and flaming and things that people do to try to get rid of it, all they're trying to do is manage the weeds because there's only one thing that totally eradicates weeds. And that is destroy everything. That at the harvest, when you, when you pick all the plants, then you can go through and plow down all the weeds. You can burn them all. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That on a macro level, God has decided that the kingdom of God, there's only really one full-scale weed eradication technique. And it's called Judgment. And so God does not want to use that while the plants are still growing. And so in his decision, he lets the weeds grow alongside of the wheat. Now you might ask the question, but wait a minute. If God can do micro-level weeding in individual churches, 
if he's God, can he just do that in all the churches everywhere at once? To which my answer is, that's a good point. I struggle with that too. And I think, okay, I hear what you're saying. But it's hard to imagine that he couldn't simply go each and every church and weed them all individually at the same time. The rest of the answers are the next four things I say might help with that. It might not. I just want to be honest to say, in this parable, Jesus is saying that the plan that he's going for now is not wide-scale eradication of all weeds. He does do it in smaller cases, but his plan is not to do it worldwide, all churches everywhere at this time. Thought number two. God doesn't pull up all the weeds himself because he's enlisted our help with tending the garden and we might harm some wheat in our misguided attempts to root out all the weeds. Notice in our passage, verse 28, it's the servants who are going to be doing the weeding, at least in the meantime. The servants come to the farmer and say, do you want us to go out and do the weeding? And the farmer says, no, because you might pull up some wheat when you mean to get weeds. See, the crazy thing about God is, when he created this world and created us to be part of this world, he somehow connected us to the work that happens in this world so that his activity among us in many ways is connected to what we do. If we take care of the earth, the earth is taken care of. If we don't take care of the earth, the earth is not taken care of. So too in church, when humans decided to sin, God did not sever his connection to us in caring for what's going on around us. So in the church, God says, look, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We prayed and decided what to, what to preach on this morning, what songs to sing, how to engage. If we didn't do those things, they wouldn't happen, that somehow God has connected what he's doing with what we do. And the problem with weeding is, is it's activity that we would be engaged in. And the danger is we pull up some wheat. See, the American judicial system is set up actually on this principle. It was set up on what I believe is the God-given principle that you don't want to condemn the innocent. So the American judicial system is set up in a way that you're innocent until proven guilty. And we've got appeals court, we've got the right to attorney, we've got all this stuff that's built into the system because at least here we've tried to say we would rather have somebody guilty go free than somebody innocent be condemned. But the problem is, is even in the American judicial system with all of the resources and all of the time and all of the energy we put into it, there are still innocent people who end up being condemned. And it's a horrendous tragedy. Well, if we can't get that right in the judicial system, there's a real danger we'd get it wrong in church as well. And in our effort to go pull up a bunch of weeds, God says, you're probably gonna pull up some weed if you do that. So he's not entrusting that activity to us. Thought number three. God doesn't pull up all the weeds himself because somehow the weeds are used by him 
to help the wheat grow. This is crazy to me. Last week, we talked about the fact that weeds choke out plants, and it's true. Weeds steal nutrients that plants need. Weeds can block sunlight from reaching plants. But it's also true that if a plant is next to a weed, that plant has to fight harder for sunlight, for resources, and is going to be a hardier, stronger plant as its roots go deeper into the ground. That many of us here who've been around church have what I described earlier as church hurt. We've had some experience with weeds either sort of collectively in the church or with another individual where there's been divisiveness or gossip or racist behavior or there's been fits of rage or anger and we've been wounded and hurt by that. Some of us in some very severe and difficult ways. Without in any way making excuses for that, that is wrong from beginning to end. Many of us who've experienced that kind of church hurt when asked would say, I don't ever want to go through that again. But God did use that to make me a stronger Christian. That God was at work in those painful things. That God somehow used what those weeds did and took that evil and turned it into some kind of blessing. It's also true that one of the benefits of having weeds at times in the church is that the wheat can look and go, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't act like that because that's what weeds do. Many of us have made some vows to say, hey, look, when I get older, I do not want to be bitter and cranky and anger about everything in church because we've seen that happen. And we're like, I don't want to be like that. Many of us have watched leaders and say, hey, look, I don't want to give way to fits of rage. I've seen what that looks like. I don't want to do that. And God leaves weeds among us to say, hey, look, even people who claim to be Christians can act in ways that are not pleasing. Don't do that. God also leaves weeds among us, crazily enough, to somehow help us some of us were led to faith by weeds. Some of the money that was given to build buildings were given by weeds. Some of the work that's been done in the kingdom of God was done by those who at the time were not walking with Jesus. Later on, we found out there were weeds. But the amazing thing is, as God has used Pharaoh and Cyrus and Nebuchadnezzar and Judas, he's used people to accomplish things in his kingdom. This is how great God is. He can even use weeds to bless us. And some of us came to faith through a weed. And I don't know why God does it that way. But we thank God that he does. And so he leaves weeds among us because he can use the weeds to bless the wheat. Thought number four. God doesn't pull up all the weeds himself now because some weeds will become wheat. This is the other thing when, the, when Jesus says to the sermons, don't go pull up all the weeds because you might pull up the wheat. I think he's also talking about future wheat. The person who becomes the apostle Paul, we would have described him as a weed among the people of God until God miraculously transformed him into one of the most beautiful stalks of wheat that history's ever seen. 
this week as we were sort of talking about this passage, we have a meeting that we get together on Mondays and we sort of, uh, it's our worship planning team. And we get together and we talk about the passages and people raise questions and, and say sort of things that God might have been laying on their heart from their own study. It's super useful for me, uh, for Tom and for others who are going to be preaching. And this week after our sort of time uh, with this passage and we all admitted what a tough passage it was when we got done, uh, one of the young women on the worship planning team pulled me aside and said, hey, I think my story is this story. And I think you're supposed to share some of it this week. And she went on to say to me, she's like, I used to be a weed. And she described her experience in being at a church camp where she was there nominally as a Christian, but she was actually participating in divisive behavior. She was one of the leaders, but instead of helping the students, she ended up being a stumbling block for the students. But God used that experience to show her how Satan could have influence in her life and that she didn't want that and used that to draw her to ministry to make her into a stalk of wheat. This is what God loves to do. That there are some weeds who will stay weeds for the rest of their life. And that is an eternal tragedy. But there's also some weeds. That by the power of Jesus, he's going to transform them from being weeds into being wheat. And so God allows there to be some weeds among us. Because he's still at work. Which brings us to the very sobering fifth thought. God doesn't pull up all the weeds now, but he will in the future. Jude and both of these parables make this point incredibly clearly. There is coming a harvest. There's coming a day when the farmer's going to come back into the field. There is coming a day when Jesus will return. And at that time, in language you could not miss. He will send out harvesters to pull up every weed and they will be burned in the fire. These are Jesus' words where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Nobody could get from that imagery that it would be good to be a weed on that day. It will be eternally bad to be a weed on that day. Both parables make the same point. Jude says the same thing. So does Second Peter. The Bible is not unclear on this. God is, in his mercy and grace, putting up with weeds among the wheat. But there is coming a day when he returns and at that point, it is harvest day. That is the total weed eradication day. And Jesus makes very clear, he will gather all of the true wheat and he will store them safely, us, safely in barns for eternal life. And he will gather the weeds and they will be thrown into the fire. It's a sobering and difficult point, but one that you have to know about. Five thoughts on what Jesus is talking about. Now, I don't pretend that these five thoughts sort of clear up all the questions we have. I still got questions on thought number one. I also don't want to pretend that these five thoughts make all the church hurt that you've experienced go away. 
that if you have been affected by a weed in the church, it is a devastating thing. Somebody who's claiming to be Christian, somebody who's associated with the kingdom of God, when you're abused by a person like that, when you're gossiped about by a person like that, when that person acts divisively, or when you're a victim of a fit of rage, it's incredibly painful that they might be doing this and still claiming the name of Jesus. I don't pretend that these five thoughts will go any way towards healing those issues. But the thing I want to leave you with is the reason why Jesus tells us about the kingdom of God is because the more you know about the kingdom of God, the more it reveals to you about the king. And at the end of the day, I don't understand. I still want, after this sermon, I still want God to pull up the weeds. I still want him to do something about the people that Jude is talking about. I don't want there to be false teachers. I want him to stop this stuff. I, want, I get all of this. But at the end of the day, I trust him. He's the farmer and I'm not. It's his farmland. I'm the servant and he says, this is how we're doing this. And sometimes I want to grumble to my other servants and say, can you believe the farmer's not doing anything about these weeds? But this passage reminds me, I hear something of the mercy and the kindness and the patience of Jesus in this passage. And I want to frankly tell you, I don't understand how it all works, but I do love the person that's revealed here. I love who Jesus is. And I trust him. I trust his character. As I look back on the own experiences I've had with weeds and I say, man, I just wish that never happened, but except that God did such great things in my life, I trust him. I trust the fact that if he's allowing there to be weeds here or in churches around the world, he's still in control and is going to use whatever harm happens for my good and perhaps to rescue and save those weeds. I don't know, but I know him. And so as you hear about this kingdom, we're meant to fix our eyes on the king and to say, this is how the king has set it up. And he knows better than I do. And I firmly, firmly believe that when judgment day comes, we're all going to say, the farmer knew exactly what he was doing. I didn't understand I thought I knew better how to farm this land. But I'm sure that we're all going to say, thank you, God, that you were in charge and that I was not. Thank you, God, that in my zeal to pull up weeds, I would have pulled up some wheat. Thank you, God, that in your patience and in your kindness, those of us who were once weeds have become wheat. We are so grateful for your tolerance and patience. And I'm even hoping and trusting that I'll be able to say to Jesus at that point, who knows better than anyone what it's like to be harmed by a wolf in sheep's clothing, who knows better than anyone what it's like to experience a weed among the 12 stalks of wheat, I'm hoping I'm able to say to him, Jesus, I too was willing to suffer so that those weeds didn't have to be pulled up and burned right away. I hope I can follow in your footsteps, Jesus, and say, yes, please leave the weeds here because I know you've got something bigger that you're up to. 
So what do we do with this? Is this just sort of a, oh, that was very, that was helpful information. We want to give sort of the closing words of this sermon to Jude because this is the issue he's dealing with. It's interesting when we get to the end of his letter, he doesn't give a whole bunch of instructions about how to find some weeds and pull them up. We as a church are still, we want to try to be protective. We want to look for when there's abuse in the church. We still exercise church discipline. We're not abdicating our responsibilities to try to be good shepherds of the sheep. But at the end of the day, this is what Jude says about living in a kingdom where there are weeds and wheat. He says, the apostles said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And be merciful to those who doubt Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupted flesh. What are we supposed to do? The first part is be wheat. Try to live in the sunshine of God's love. Try to let your roots grow deeper. Keep yourself in the love of God because God's love will be a shield and a protector to you in the midst of a kingdom that has wheat and weeds. And then the second part is, those weeds that are next to you, be merciful to them. Because by being merciful, you might snatch some from the fire. And God may use you and what you've been through and the suffering that you experience to help transform that weed into wheat. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, when Judas betrayed you, you had the experience that many of us have had to be with somebody who by all rights should have worshipped you and followed you and obeyed you, but instead turned his back on you and brought about your death. God, for those who are here this morning who have experienced real church hurt, for those who have been the victims of abuse, the victims of racism, the victims of gossip, the victims of divisiveness, the victims of violent rage. Lord God, the victims of sexually predatory behavior. Lord, I am sorry for what they have been through. Would you now, God, as the kind and loving Father, would you heal their wounds? Would you cause their roots to grow deeper? Lord, in my own life, I am grateful for the fact that you did not abandon me to the weeds, but you have been kind in restoring and rebuilding all things. Lord, would you give us patient understanding? Would you help us to trust you? Forgive us, Jesus, for thinking we would do a better job as a farmer than you're doing. You're the farmer and we're the servants. May you run this kingdom the way you want, and may we participate with you. Give us encouragement to stay in your love and make us a light to those around us, even and especially those who are sitting next to us in church. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.